in the future, it will be really the core for all of the processes of operations. It will be in the cloud. Clearly, all of the innovation takes place in the cloud. So it's not a question of if, it's when everyone arrives at the cloud. And we're going to need people who have the right skill set and mindset to really drive the further innovation from that. And the more I can have the finance colleagues really focus on these future-oriented numbers, the more I can drive strategic business decisions. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name's Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. Today, I'm going to be discussing how cloud ERP can empower CFOs to make better and faster decisions. And I'm joined by two great CFOs for the discussion, Sonia Simon and Carl Christian von Vehi. Sonia, could you please introduce yourself and a little bit about your role? Hello, Richard. Glad to be here today. My name is Sonia Simon. I am the regional CFO for Latin America and the Caribbean at SAP. And Carl Christian? Richard, thanks for having me. I'm the regional CFO for Middle and Eastern Europe. What is Milan Eastern Europe? Everything which spans between Cologne in the very west to Vladivostok in the very east. Well, I couldn't think of two better people to have this conversation with. As CFOs, especially here at SAP, you must speak to your peers in the industry all of the time and talk regularly about the evolution of your roles and the CFO professions. So what are the prominent issues that are top of mind with CFOs today? Well, I may kick it off here. We have a lot of discussions with customer CFOs and what we all experience is a massive shift in the business landscape. Uh, traditionally, at the very onset, we CFOs, were responsible mainly for financial stability. But today, the roles have been massively expanding, much more than we have been ever before. We are also responsible for business steering. We are key drivers for key initiatives such as sustainability. I mean, this is very obvious, sustainability, carbon and green ledger accounting, but there's more to it. And so our role is constantly expanding over and beyond what used to be a traditional one, financial stability. And Sonia? I couldn't agree more. It's really an exciting time to be a CFO as we get to do a lot more than just be the gatekeeper of the books. So we have resumed responsibilities that cover many different topics specifically also with a focus on technology topics. And Christian, you just mentioned sustainability, which is really taken off and is becoming mainstream. So at SAP, definitely we're super excited also about the possibilities and the capabilities that the Green Ledger will offer to us. So the ability to have the sustainability data also within our ERP and be able to really fully analyze, aggregate, and report appropriately on sustainability data is going to be really key in the future. So all of this is you know, expanding our responsibilities. And it's super important here to also keep in mind what does it mean for the finance people. Their roles are also changing very rapidly with automation. And we'll talk later a bit about AI, of course. But what it really means is we need our finance colleagues also to really take a different role here. They need to expand their skill sets. They already have a very valuable skill set today. 
but we need them to expand both the skill sets more to be in line with the technological requirements, but also the mindset to be open to continuous change and feel comfortable with that. I heard a quote the other day, one of our speakers mentioned, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So I think all of us are on a journey to be uncomfortable on a daily basis to manage the expansion of our roles. And definitely we're on the journey together. I love that. You've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I had a conversation a few weeks ago, actually, in another podcast with Sebastian Steinhauser, who is SAP's chief strategy officer. And I didn't appreciate the role that the CFO plays from a sustainability perspective until I had that conversation. And the collaboration with other departments is also critical, as you've pointed out. So how are CFOs navigating this shift in the corporate landscape and addressing the expanded expectations you just mentioned? Well, clearly, automation and innovation is key here. We have to really learn how to do more with less, and we have to really expand our abilities to really work together very closely with many different departments. Our sustainability colleagues are part of that, but also to be able to work closely together with our developers, with IT, to ensure that they really understand our requirements, as well as the need to have streamlined processes which are key and the basis for any future automation. Here, really, Signavio is key to help us understand the status of our processes, to do some benchmarking, also in regards to some KPIs, how we compare to our peers in similar industry. And that is really the starting point to work on the topic of automation innovation, which, as we all know, is now primarily in the cloud. And maybe to give a different aspect to it, I was SAP since a couple of decades already. And it was very interesting to see the development of the role of a CFO when I started off in the year 2000. It was kind of really a stewardship role only. It has evolved to a business partnership role. And now there's a third aspect added to it since some 10, 12 years. And this is along the line, Sonia alluded upon, it's a change agent role. That's really something which is rightfully required from us. Pick up new technology, try that out, automate as much as possible and free up as much time as possible for more creative change agent, try out new things kind of activities. How have you seen things evolving, especially as we move to the cloud around concepts like cybersecurity, which is always a big issue when we talk about cloud solutions? Maybe I take this one because the Middle and Eastern Europe, as I said, spanning between Cologne and Vladivostok, there's at least one country in my area of responsibility out of which there is certain activity with regards to cybersecurity. And this is becoming now super important within the last couple of months, to be very precise, since February 2022, where a lot of CFOs approach myself and say, we are experiencing so much digital attacks, we are not able to cope with it. We are not able to manage it. You do it. You are the expert. If you cannot make it, I don't know anyone else who could do it. Yeah. But this is very much key to a lot of industries and not only the armed industry, not only aerospace and defense industry, it's also utilities. It's all kind of industries approaching us and asking for additional support here. 
I couldn't agree more. Certainly cybersecurity is on top of mind. Every time I talk to my CFO peers at our customers, and really one of the benefits that we can offer to our customers here is that we take care of cybersecurity topics for them as part of our comprehensive rights offering. So it's really kind of a one-stop shop, cover cybersecurity, but also, of course, their journey to the cloud, which is for everyone, for all of the CFOs, not a question of if, but simply when, when is the right time. Carl Christian, another follow-on question that's probably good for both of you, but I'll start with you. You say you've been at SAP since the start of the century, which is quite shocking, actually. I'm the same. I started in 2004. But implementations of business systems and ERP systems have changed a lot. We used to have long implementations and companies were very happy in saying, oh, I've got a two or three year implementation. But now we're seeing lots of rules and regulations in the sustainability area, in the finance area. How are you as a CFO keeping up with these rules and regulations? And how does being in the cloud help there? Yeah, being in the cloud allows you to change, to update at a much faster pace. And having a cloud infrastructure, it's much easier to include, incorporate, and bring it up to speed innovations of whatever kind they are. And I pick randomly the Signavio part, process mapping, process mining. As Sonia alluded upon a couple of minutes ago, this is a tool where you can really examine different processes. You get a suggestion where improve. You can do that on a very short-term basis, quickly execute, and then run the Signavio again through processes and see any kind of deviations. This is really an iterative approach. It's nothing like used to have. You're generating a template, and then you have three to five to eight years to roll it out once it's very by the next rather reap the fruits very soon and get her, and this is important for CFOs, return on investment as soon as possible. Yeah, this is super important. Because with that long implementation, you set the rules of what you want to have, and it's sort of cast in stone, which means you can't evolve as your business evolves, but also as the world around you evolves and regulations evolve and rules change. Sonia, any comments on that? Yeah, I think what we have to keep in mind here, we live in a very fast-paced environment. All of us do. We all wish the world would slow down every now and then a little bit for us, but it doesn't. It's speeding up. And so we need to make sure that we have technology available at our fingertips that allows us to keep up with that space, with that speed of innovation. And that clearly only takes place in the cloud. We have to keep in mind here that digital transformation that is on top of mind of all of our CFO customers today is not a journey that has a starting and an end point. It is a continuous journey, but we simply don't have the time to wait two or three years to get a return on the investment. It must be a lot faster, quite obviously. And first of all, it's important to get started. So there's different ways for our customers to get started from a purely transfer into the ERP to really go for a more detailed assessment, also using the digital core analyzer that we're going to make available, I do believe as of today, to help our customers also identify where they have made all of the modifications to their ERP. 
So that's kind of the starting point. And of course, they have to define their digital transformation journey, their strategy, and execute on it. And I have to tell you, while you're still thinking about doing it, your competition might be already on the way. So time is of the essence here. It's interesting you mentioned the digital core because that's a term I'm hearing more and more as I speak to different people about implementing a business system and keeping it as vanilla as possible and only focus on what really are your differentiators that you may have to change to keep ahead of your competition and then everything else stays basic. Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming a financial system, that's more true than ever because you want to keep as much as possible so that you can keep up in the standard solutions, you can keep up with the changes provided by the software provider. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not that easy, I have to say. Also, our transformation journey at SAP has not been a walk in the park. Every time you try and move what I consider like a row of dominoes as the process change should be fully automated. So think about it as a row of dominoes. Every time you try to move one of those little domino stones, you're afraid the entire domino chain is going to collapse. Be careful moving that one. And really, that's where the topic comes in. And I do believe all of our CFO customers also understand the importance of returning to a clean core to do the deep dive, do the analysis. Here's No reason why your invoicing, for example, should be any different from the invoicing that your competitor does, right? And to remove those modifications and to have the standard processes run as generic as possible, because that will free up so much time and effort to rearrange the domino stones, which can be very cumbersome. And it will free up time and effort for all of your people, whether it is the IT colleagues or whether it is the finance colleagues to focus on a lot more value-added tasks. Value-added tasks and activities, for example, from my perspective, are to focus a lot more on predictive analytics. Carl Christian, you you seemed like you wanted to add a comment there. (laughs) Yeah, and there are two aspects I want to add, Sonia, to your absolutely right statement. There, The one is in many countries we see already quite a challenge for customers to acquire the right people to run their high complex ERP systems. This is one of the drivers of many CFOs say, my IT department is going to retire and I'm having a hard time of at least getting the most necessary people We're not talk about all these people I need for the very customized system. So please let us go back to standard which is easier to manage. And number two is, in times now of inflation and increasing interest rate, a lot of our colleagues are asking us, how do we get away from a model where I buy upfront for a large chunk of cash out on-premise software and then depreciate it? I would rather love to have cash out more over the time just by renting, which is out in essence, by renting software and a then being able to increase or decrease based on my need rather than having it in my balance sheet, having it activated and having a huge cash out at the very beginning. That's a great point. Thank you. Sonia, you touched on a topic that I wanted to bring up next, artificial intelligence. We've heard a lot about AI driving tremendous value and automating tasks and bringing business to the next level. And in fact, in last week's episode, I discussed the benefits of generative AI with Julia White. 
So how does artificial intelligence fit into the modern day CFO's playbook? Yeah, so first of all, it is key. We really need our finance colleagues to focus more on analysis, to focus more on predictive analytics. They need AI to really forecast on where are we going? Because the earlier I have the insight, ideally real-time insight, on where I am today, the better equipped I am to take steps now that influence the numbers of tomorrow. And here AI is key. I can't afford to have the finance colleagues focus on routine tasks. They need to focus on more value-added tasks. So here I'm really counting on AI to take care of those repetitive tasks and to really help me. And help you do more with less. It's more with less. That's part of it. And I am looking at AI to really ensure that I have relevant reliable and responsible data. The whole topic of ethics in AI, of course, is also very important, right? But I need the data. I need actionable data to make good decisions for the future. And the more I can have the finance colleagues really focus on these future-oriented numbers, the more I can drive strategic business decisions. And maybe one point to add, or two points to add. Number one is by the use of AI, and that's something we experience more and more, is we reduce the number of human errors. And it's not about AI taking over everything, but AI doing repetitive tasks and doing easier tasks and slowly but surely building up knowledge and taking over certain team tasks for the time being. Number two, we use AI at SAP with regards to prediction for any kind of revenue forecasting, we are doing uh, bottom-up, and then we are challenged top-down by the prediction number. And then we come to probably a very balanced view on where the ship, and that's exactly your point, is probably going to go. And then our group, CFO, as well as us, we can take actions very soon, simply because we don't have only the bottom-up view, but we also have a top-down AI-generated prediction view. And this shows that we have done a lot of data analysis over the last couple of quarters, showing us that AI is very close to reality, sometimes much closer than a politically, quote-unquote, bottom-up forecast or budget cycle. And this allows us as CEOs to take actions much faster, much earlier in time, and they will be much more effective, of course. AI is a great example of a technology that offers excellent promise for financial transformation. But what are some other examples that CFOs are exploring to deliver on this new mission? Well, what is key for us at SAP is definitely also from a process perspective, the centralization of various finance functions. Our finance organization is organized primarily or overwhelmingly along the process chain. And that really helps us to ensure that we have a both standardized and automated way to run our finance operations. We have shared service center set up across three major locations. We have one ERP, one source of truth, and that really allows us to run the numbers both effectively as well as efficiently. Yeah, this has been over the last 15, 18 years, one of the major levers, globalizing one function after the other and then standardizing them according along the process chains and then having globally responsible persons for the respective process chains, irrespective of location all around the world. 
and then having three Shetsu senders in the follow the sun principle in Americas, Asia, and Europe. So that enables you as CFOs of your respective regions to manage your business and then consolidate that up at the corporate level. Is that if I'm understanding correct? I'll give you an example. At SAP, we have many consultants and one of the major accounts used is, for example, third parties you buy. I think there are some 40, 50 accounts just to reflect third party expenses. And if you're running a mid or small size subsidiaries, your accounts on the ground, you just have two or three or four. They don't know all different 40 or 50 third party accounts, what they really represent. And what I experienced is if you run such a subsidiary, your accounts are going to use two or three of these 50 accounts only. Yeah. No matter whether they're right or wrong. Now, just imagine doing an analysis based on this data from a corporate perspective. You might be totally misled by the very fact that only on three accounts, something is posted. The reason not being because business-wise this is correct, but only because the people don't know all 50 accounts. If you do that in a shared service center, you have much higher specializations and you have three or four different people globally for the 50 accounts and they know exactly where to post the respective third parties expenses, which then in turn enables you to have a much better data analysis here. So data generation is much more sophisticated if you have it more specialized. Just one example, Sonia, you have another one? Well, there are so many to pick from, no doubt. But generally, when I think back about our own transformation journey, is what is important to keep in mind here is that it really evolved over time. Today, we have basically COEs that take care of all of the different processes. So for example, a COE for our HR and comp, COE for revenue. So what that means for me as a CFO, if I have a need to dig into the system, which is actually quite easy enough because, again, we're on one ERP, I can dig down to the last level of detail, to the last account, to the last journal entry with the attachment and easily see what is going on there. But there's basically three parameters that are super important here. It's, first of all, the standardization of the processes except for where we need to have local adjustments. So for example, I'm responsible for Latin America. There are a lot of regulatory requirements about invoicing and billing that we need to do to be compliant. So all of those we need to keep in mind, we need to respect. But other than regulatory requirements, there's no other reason why we should have a different process than, for example, in the Middle East. It needs to be a standardized process. By standardizing the process, everyone in the shared service center does the job in the same way. It makes it much easier to retrain them or to bring people on board, to have a clear manual, again, supported, of course, also with Signavio to also help us document these processes. And the third is really to have the automation, the technology, that you can fully automate that process chain end to end. So for example, in our quote to cash process, you know, we start with a quote that leads into, in the easier cases, an automated contract creation. The contract creation leads to an automated booking. The booking leads to an automated invoice and automated cash collection. So if you can stop people from disrupting this chain, you can have a fully automated process 
supported, of course, by technology and ensure that you have as little manual interaction there as possible. That's really freeing up the space again to do a lot more value-added activities, to evaluate a challenging cases when something does go off the rails. It happens, and it's usually because someone interrupted a process chain. But it's a managed by exception then, isn't it? You, you only worry about the ones that are the problem. And so I need people then on board that understand both the finance as well as the technology to figure out where the issue is and get it fixed. That's a great example. Thank you. Actually, this has flown by. We're coming towards the end of the podcast. And I have one final question that I ask all of the guests. And it'll be really interesting to hear this from a CFO's perspective. But when we look at the future of ERP, which is the name of the podcast series itself, what do you see as the future of ERP? ERP and the future will be a cloud-based, highly automated backbone of a company, which is a basis on which a lot of additional processes will be configured, such as sales processes, etc. It will be continuously evolving and improving, and it will be a very global approach, highly centralized and highly standardized. So the way I look at ERP is it used to be the main system with a focus on the core finance processes. And I don't think it will be in the future. In the future, it will be really the core for all of the processes of operations. It will be in the cloud. Clearly, all of the innovation takes place in the cloud. So as I mentioned earlier, it's not a question of if, it's when everyone arrives at the cloud. And we're going to need people who have the right skill set and mindset to really drive the further innovation from that. The IP at the end of the day, I look at it as being the foundation of a house. You know, you can think about how you're going to renovate the house and think about it. When you build a new house, you think about what windows are you going to have? What is the roof going to look like? What is your patio going to look like? But first and foremost, you need to think about foundation for your house is going to look like. And on that foundation, you can really build the future. So let's think about the ERP as the foundation for your house, where you're going to live in very happily with your family for the rest of your life. Hassania, Carl Christian, thanks for a great conversation. It's been excellent. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. You're welcome. And thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast series to get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Sonia, Carl, Christian and I, thank you for discussing the future of ERP.